Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, First Baptist. How is everybody doing? Amen. What a privilege and an honor it is to be before you all. Um, if some of you may not know who I am, I'm Lance here. I serve on staff here at the church. It's a blessing being a part of the First Baptist family. Um, I help out in the college area. I also serve at Gramlin State University uh, as the BCM director there, where our vision is to to help reach and connect and strengthen our campus with the uh, presence and the power of God. And uh, I can tell you on the journey, y'all, it has been quite a journey. But how many of y'all know when God calls you to something, he gives you what you need to finish what he calls you to? Amen. Amen. So I hope to have a great morning. And I am excited about this morning to proclaim the word to you. And I hope and pray that it strengthens you in your journey and in your walk. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be coming from Hebrews chapter 12. And I'll be reading the scripture and then we'll talk about it for a minute. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And it reads like this. If everybody have it or you can see it up on the screen there, you can say amen. Amen. I am a bit interactive at times, so y'all just going to have to. Bear with me for a minute, all right? Is that okay? Let's have us a good time this morning. Amen. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So this morning, we're just going to talk a little bit about the heart of the true champion. And, and you, we got to see this thing. I mean, it's a lot going on. Uh, just as Brandon prayed, and we're going to address some of that toward the end of the message. But there's a lot going on in our world right now. Uh, we can't be uh, going to sleep about what we see going on in our world, what we see going on with the injustices, what we see going on in the media, what we see going on in all the facets of life that we are getting bombarded on us constantly. But you see here in Hebrews, I want you to take a snapshot into who the heart of this message is geared toward. The Hebrews, this group that the author was writing to was a diaspora, we would say, or a group of the Hebrew Christians that practiced all the old traditions of the Old Testament. And they were the old school of faith and they, they had the law that they practiced and the ceremonies and the, and the Passover. And this group of new believers that the author's writing to here in the book of Hebrews, they're facing something. They're facing something. They've came into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. They came to a, a new faith now. And, and how many of you know when you come to faith in Christ, this is a new life. So these Hebrews that we see here that the author is writing to, they've came to this new knowledge of faith in Christ and they've had to push away 
some old things and some old traditions that they held to that they they really, really emphasized. And all of a sudden, though, because of this, they were up against a little persecution. They were up against some some leaders, one in particular that was called Nero, that was persecuting these believers. And it's believed that it was in between two different distinct leaders that they lived through this persecution. So now that they have this new faith, they got this new way they're trying to live. And now their persecution comes in the form of public mocking. And also, their persecution came in the form of losing property. So when they made a decision to follow Jesus and to love him and to live with him, they, they, there were some consequences to their faith. Uh, giving up property, uh, like we said, public ridicule. Uh, it, it has been, it's been said that there were uh, martyrs in, in this group, but that also has been debated because if it was Nero who was the leader at the time. But we all know that these people faced an enormous amount of persecution. Now, you hear the writer come in verse 12, in chapter 12, and he says this to us here. He says, therefore, we have been surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Now, what is that speaking to us about where we are now? He's saying, look, in the chapter before this chapter, he was saying, there have been some people that have lived the life of faith before you all that we got to look back at and we got to get some motivation and some courage because of what they went through in their faith. All right. So in chapter 11, we see uh, Moses is talked about. And what did Moses do? He led the children of Israel out of Egypt in the Exodus. We see Abraham talked about in this previous chapter. He was the father of faith. The father of all faiths recognized Abraham as the patriarch of why we even have faith, which is what we all have received from Christ. And so he says Abraham endured and became more like God through his faith and his example. So even these witnesses that the author is telling us about here, he's not saying that they are staring at us while we're living our life of faith out. He's saying basically what's going on is the life that they live is their witness to us of the life that we can live, church. And how many of y'all know that's encouraging to know that the life that we live is a witness to other people? So just for a moment, I want us to think about that every day as we're going to the job, as you're working with your coworkers, as you're living your life of faith. Remember this, your life is a witness. So we got to look at these, the the people before us here in chapter 11, and and we deal with Samson, and we know that Samson judged and led by God's power, even though he fell short and he, he came back from his falling short, but he still endured to the end. This chapter in 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. Uh, you know that means, church, I was an athlete, so uh, I love to deal with sports and, and, and things that deal in the sports arena. And basically, the conference that I played in was called the SWAC, the Southwestern Athletic Conference. So if you were a, a member of a team, you, when you came on the team, you weren't automatically a starter. You didn't automatically get on the field. Basically, you had to work your way toward being a, a SWAC player and to earn these things we call SWAC hours. When you earn SWAC hours, then you were able and you were given the ability 
to have a say in what went on on the team because you are earning your right to play on the team because you're working hard and you're becoming better, you're becoming greater. You see, when we look at this chapter here, we got to see that the people in this Hall of Fame of Faith, they had swack hours in the faith. <laughs> they, they had some, some credibility in the faith enough for uh, the writer to mention them to say, pay attention to what happened in their life. Because when we pay attention to what happened in their life, church, now in the city of Ruston and where we live, we get a chance to say, God, I want to see you operate in my city the way you did for those people in the faith in the previous chapters here. Because if you're the same God yesterday that you are today and forevermore, anything I believe you can do by your power, God, I can believe that. So the encouragement that comes from looking at those that have earned their, their keep in the faith ought to motivate us to say, if their life was a witness, our lives could be a witness. First Baptist, help me and say amen, somebody. I need y'all to help me preach this morning. Is that okay? All right, we got to go somewhere now. He compares, he compares this to a race. He said, lay aside. Now that we know the witnesses are, 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 are pushing us on by their life, he says, now lay aside the weight that so easily uh, besets us. He said the weight that weighs us down. Why would he use that comparison to talk about that? Because we all know life is a race. We all know we're headed somewhere in life. We all know we got a destination in mind. And he's saying, look, when the, when the runners, when you see that imagery, back in that day, their games that they competed in, the trainers, when they were training to run their race, they ran with weights and weightier clothes on. So if they had a race, then they, their clothes probably was about two pounds altogether, they would train in something that weighed about six to ten pounds to keep extra weight on them. So when the race started and they got ready to run the race, they would be lighter to run the race at the speed that they were supposed to run it at. They also went a little further. Some of them trained with weights in their hand at the end of their race because if they held the weights in their hand, during the finish of the real race, they would have a lot more power at the end of the race because adding the weight to themselves during the training. And here it is, the author is encouraging us right now where we are here in Ruston at First Baptist Church where I, our goal is to what win love and grow Ruston in the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so our race is to run that race, right? And he's saying, look, there are some things that can weigh you down. Amen. There are some things, even if it's a career, even if you're wrestling with where you're working at, even when you're wrestling with a relationship that you may be in, you could be wrestling with a lot of different things that could be weight for you. But whatever that thing is, that could be weighing you down. He's saying, lay it aside. So you can run it at the pace that God wants you to run it at. Amen. He's saying whatever the thing is that's bogging you down, slowing you up. He said, lay it aside. That means God has given us the strength and the power through his spirit as a believer to lay the weight aside. We don't have to continue to let it 
bog us down. Amen. As this microphone thing is bogging me down. Amen. <laughs> the weight. Amazing. The weight. Uh, y'all, here we are right here. Now we get to laying aside the sin. Amen. A little bit further in that verse. Thank you, Josh. This could be a problem without, when I get the mic in my hand. Amen. No, I'm just kidding, y'all. Let's, let's finish strong. Later on in verse 2, it says, look at the sin. Thanks, Josh. It says, look at the sin. It says, we know that God's standard has is, is always been our, our being like him. Let's not, let's, not, let's not downplay sin. Let's not think that we have to never really address sin because to God, his standard has always been perfection and holiness. God's standard has always been us being like him. Now, you see in this scripture, he says, especially the sin. Look at how specific that is for just a minute, church, because we're going to be encouraged, but we got to identify the root of the problem. Here it is, he says, especially the sin. What that means is uh, we know that sin has a lot of depth to it and a lot of different meanings. There, one word that's used here is the word that meant to miss the mark. If we're doing target practice and I miss the target, that is sin. Uh, God has asked us to do something and we fail at the duty of what God asked us to do. That's sin. He's saying this is the identifying the root of the problem. But for the Hebrews there in this province that were under persecution, uh, follow me here, their sin, the, especially the sin, was more than likely apostasy, church. And what is that word even talking about? It was them turning back their faith on Jesus Christ in the new covenant, the new belief that Jesus Christ was going to put everything back together and restore the whole world back to God, that Jesus Christ would be the way, the truth, and the light. And their sin then was to shrink back on that because of the things that were happening to them for believing that. And now we bring it back to us right now. You, me, we all have to identify what is especially, the emphasis is put there, the sin that you have to lay aside. What is it as a nation that we're facing? What is it as a country that we're looking at through the lens of all of these things happening, through your household, your home life, what's going on with you. I want us as a church to identify that even in our lives, there can be an especially the sin. Here's the essence of it all. When we see how crucial the sin is that he's calling us to understand and we see how important it is that we never ignore the things that's going on around us in life because at the core of what sin wants to do to each one of us, one, two, it doesn't matter where you're from, what side of the tracks you grew up on, what sin wants to do is come close up on you and bombard you with the deceitfulness that it is so you don't see it from God's point of view. 
And he's saying when we look at the sin and we throw away the weights and we internalize this thing and we don't ignore what it could be, now we are fixing to move on to victory because we are changing our perspective about this thing. Even what's going on, and like he said, he had to be asleep or in a coma. What's going on in our country with Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter and, and the murders and the, the threats and all of the things that's going on in our country. Uh, help us to understand this. The great civil rights leader Martin Luther King said these words. He said, a threat to justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. What does that mean for me, you, the believer, where we stand? It means you call right, right, and you call wrong, wrong. That means it is not just a a skin problem. That means what we have on our hands is a sin problem, church. Here's where we have to be. We have to stand firm on what God has said. God never changed his mind about who your neighbor is. Your neighbor is the one that's in need. God said in his word, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What that means, you'll be tempted sometimes in conversations that you're in and people that you're around because this what's going on is actually raising us up now to speak out about what true love really is. True love means I I don't care what you look like. I I, I love you too much to, to, to let that be the precursor for how I treat you the way I do. Uh, But because God made you, I love you. But because of who you are in him, I love you. And and I think what we have to do is recognize these things, look at it, and move forward. Just a few months ago, even looking at our country, what happened even with the Ashley Madison thing that swept across our country. Let's not sweep it under the rug, but let's be honest What it did was it called us to love again. It called us in our relationships to remember the one who God gave you is the one who he meant for you to have. Not online, not um, with the issue of, of paying for services and all of that. What that did in us was it pulled us back to love. Amen? Because I firmly believe God is getting our attention right now. Let's move on. He says, laying aside the sin, the core of what this was, and also that word meant temperament and environment. And let me share this with you, church, even in that text there. That meant that sometimes the environments that we are in, we got to be careful because even they can pull you down. Even sometimes the places that we may be, it can pull you down in a way that God could be trying to use you to lift it up. But if you're not focusing on him, that environment and even the personality, temperament that it says there could be the sin that bogs you down. So I hope right now we've identified that and we've looked at it because what, what is it about this issue? Let's not stay right there in just identifying the sin. Now let's look at common mistakes in running the race of life. Here's three things I want us to take with us uh, that happens when we're running our race in life. Forgetting our technique. 
What, what am I saying here? In a race, you have to know where to start, how you're starting, how you're running. You, you have to have these things in line during the competition. In life, all that's saying with us is don't forget the disciplines of loving God. Don't forget the disciplines of prayer. Forgetting that your technique is what Brandon Ramsey did, what we are all starting to do, which is pray, which is understand that it's a spiritual problem. And in order for a spiritual problem to be fixed, we have to be led by the spirit. Let's not forget our technique and the things that's going on around us. All right. Forgetting the technique is one. The second one is running out of your lane. Hear me out. When we're in a race, everybody has a designated lane they have to run in. There's got to be rules and order in that race. And what is it in our life and our calling that God has specifically called you to do? Don't be afraid to run in your lane, my friend, my brother, my sister. Don't be afraid to run in the lane God have called you to run in because the lane he called you to run in is the one that he gives you strength to further you to run in that lane for him to do the things that he wants you to do in his kingdom. Amen. I mean, run in the lane that God has assigned for you to run in and run in it with all that you got. Uh, Another third mistake is taking our eyes off the goal. Many times in a race, we simply take our eyes off the finish line. Believe it or not, when our eyes are on the finish line, it's something about the pain that'll subside. It's something about some of the hurt that you endure when your eyes are on the finish line. It's something about Continuing to fix your eyes on that which is important. My last point before we, before we close, how do we do this? Fix your focus. Look at how he comes in verse 2 at the end of it and encourages us. And I pray, God, that you just help us to see it here. He says, how do we lay aside this weight? How do we drop the sin and the specific things that can harm you and I in this life as we're running? How do we do this? Because I don't just want to be a convicted, but I want to be free. Amen. I know you ought to want to be free in your life. And God, he says the way to be free is focusing on the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Uh, I want us to see this. Jesus Christ is the divine one who can fill us with faith, keep us in faith, and crown us with faith. What does that really mean? Jesus Christ is the initiator of our faith what is God he was with God in the beginning when there was nothing when he spoke the word the world came into existence and he is the one that started what faith ever has been and what it ever will be my friend so that's why we can proclaim and stand on what he has said and when we fix our focus on Jesus and we see him in the height of who he really is we can continue to endure whatever we have to endure for Jesus as we're running this race in life. How is it that he keeps us in the faith? Because we know the word have told us his Holy Spirit is living inside of us. He's keeping us as a down deposit of what's to come. Not only does he initiates our faith, fills our faith and keeps us in the faith. 
then he rewards our faith. We ought to be looking forward to being with Jesus Christ in the right hand of God in heaven and being there with him and loving him and experiencing more of life with him. But what happens is the distractions that come down here sometimes as we live it and we see them all over, it wants to distract us from being able to put our focus on the one who saved us and keeps us. And that's where the joy comes in because you're not distracted by the things that's going on around you but your joy is in eternal life in Christ and eternal uh, bliss with him and knowing that you're with him intimately and you know him and we live from that strength my brothers and my sisters what Jesus Christ did in his death his burial his resurrection is he showed us that even all of that stuff that the witnesses went through in chapter 11. All of the people that you look to in the faith that you believe have done great things. He's saying at the culmination of it all, when we look at who Jesus Christ is, it really magnifies it enough for us to see that he is the one worthy of your life in spite of all the great ones before us. And all the great ones now is saying Jesus Christ is high above all of them because our faith in him is the thing that delivers us even in this sinful state that we can be in. What a tremendous honor that Jesus Christ has had. What a champion it says uh, in this verse. And I want to lift this out so we understand why it's the heart of the champion that matters. Because the word champion is defined as one who has beat out every rival that he faces. Y'all, I want to encourage you today to understand that the reason why Jesus Christ is worthy of your praise, the reason why Jesus Christ is worthy of our worship as a church is because any rival that have came up against him has fallen. Any rival, including Muhammad, including Buddha, including Dr. Phil, including Oprah, all of his rivals have come up against him and have fallen. And because of that, because he's the champion, because there's no greater winner, he's saying fix your focus on him. The author, he started it. The finisher, he finished it of our faith. Uh, my friends, I want to show you a picture of who some people believe is the greatest ever. Uh, right here, Muhammad Ali there. Uh, some people call him the, the GOAT. The, that's the greatest of all time. Uh, some people call him the GOAT, but I want you to see uh, he's on the ground there. He's on the ground. Joe Frazier knocked him down in that fight. Uh, and after the, the fight, uh, basically what happened is he got back up. He got back up. You see on that picture, him and all of his fashion, he just, he, he's saying it wasn't over with, obviously, because he got back up. But let me, let me share with you something about that fight. When he got knocked down in that fight, uh, it was said that he got back up in 2.5 seconds now. Where the .5 come from, I don't know. <laughs> Y'all just going to have to work with me on that one. In two and a half seconds, after he was knocked down in this fight, it said Muhammad Ali got back up. And after that fight, after he won the fight, 
And they asked him, they said, Muhammad Ali, what in the world got a hold of you? What? Usually when people get knocked down in a heavyweight boxing man, by at least by six or seven seconds, you, you, you get back up. I mean, at least. And they asked Muhammad Ali, what made you get up so fast, champ? And Muhammad Ali said these words. He said, understand this, my friend. He said, the canvas is no place for a champion to be. He said, the canvas is no place for a champion to be. I came to share, and God laid on my heart with us as a believing church, is that even though weights may bog you down, even though sin sometimes in your life can bog you down, church, you've got to understand that there still is no place for you as a champion in Christ to be. I'm talking about even through it all what you go through, even through all the heartache, heartache, the pain, the struggle of your faith and sharing your faith and being a believer and holding to God's standard and all these things. Just remember when you fall down, when things happen and you seem to get distracted in the race, that that is not the place for you to stay. I pray God encourages you to get back up again in the fight of faith. Whatever you face and whatever is going on in your life that have caused you to believe that you can't live the life God have called you to live even here. My friend, I pray you get back up again. Run the race. Don't be afraid to live the life that God have called you to live. It's by his spirit that he's keeping you. It's by his strength that you're able to focus on the faith in Christ to be able to do this. It's him living inside of you, the pureness of who he is, the holiness of who he is, the power of who he is for you to be a witness. And that's who we are as a church to get up again. Don't stay on the canvas and live the life the champion have for us to live. Friends, I, sisters and brothers, I pray now as we close, don't stay on the canvas. Whatever God is calling you to, whatever has been going on in your life, as he's encouraging you to get back up, I pray that you do that. Let's pray. God, I thank you right now. Father, I, I pray right now as, uh, as we were in tune with you, as you've blessed this day that you were here us even now. God, if there one of your children that's coming to become one of your children, that if they have not confessed, Father God, if they have... Uh, live the life that sin has entangled them in. They've been away from you and now, God, even by the words that were spoken and what you are speaking to them even now, that they would come to faith in you, Jesus Christ. So wherever they are, Lord, whoever, at this time, Father, if they, if you're giving them, God, and you're leading them, for them to acknowledge you, Father, I just pray right now, whoever that person is, if that's you, if you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and you have uh, been convicted and you since God is calling you to salvation, 
in Christ that you would pray with me right now. Father, I know I've been a sinner. God, I know I've done things against you. But Father, right now I pray that you would save me, God, by the power of your son, Jesus Christ. I confess him as my Lord and Savior. And I pray, Lord, that he would fill my life. God, honor us in that. Honor them in that. Even now, honor them, Lord. Now I pray, Father, for the believer, God, who has been walking with you and came here today, Father, after being knocked down. God, I just pray, Lord, that even in this time, Lord, even in this time, that they'll see, Father, they don't have to stay on the canvas. They'll see, God, that they can get back up again. And, Father, whatever it is, God, that they've had to deal with and others even in their life have had to deal with, would you, God, give them the perfect peace, the shalom, God, the thing, the wholeness that they're after in you, God, give them that today. We pray that now, even in this time of invitation. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Just as I am.